Welcome to Moment Talk. On today's episode, we have a guest that's from the West Coast. He's got his master from social work in Southern California. He has been rough, roughly working about two years in a mental health therapist and now um, currently working as a mental health therapist at a nonprofit agency serving disenfranchised and underrepresented individuals. Uh, he hopes to continue to serve in our community and become a champion for others, people of color, and LGBTQIA individuals. Are you looking for the latest Hmong-inspired menswear? Well, look no further. She Sells Menswear makes suit accessories, uh, apparels, and you can find them at www.xixomenswear.com. Hey everyone, we are super excited to have a guest on and joining me is my co-host as well. Uh, this gentleman is from the West Coast and been in the mental health uh, field for quite a few years now and probably pretty soon going to be done with the certificate. Uh, we're super excited to have him on to talk about mental health because in fact it is mental health awareness. Uh, welcome Joshua. Thank you so much, Chico. Uh, thank you, mine, uh, for inviting me today. Um, yeah, I'm excited to, you know, kind of share what I know. Um, I'm not a licensed clinical social worker, but it's a process that all licensed clinical social workers go through. Uh, is you know getting the hours of being supervised and still providing uh, very necessary services to. Uh, many disenfranchised uh, clients before we become licensed. So again, thank you for having me. Oh, no, thank you for your time, Joshua. One thing I wanted yeah, to- Yeah, you know, as she's so sad. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I'm just, I was just gonna say that, you know, because it is mental awareness, awareness month. Um, it's always great to have somebody who can find the time to come and talk about this. So, such an important topic, so. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, Joshua. That's one thing we do not know about. Hmm. One thing that people don't typically notice about me is uh, I have a scar near my left eye, and that's because I was bullied, and at school, uh, some kid uh, headbutted me. And so I had to get stitches. I was bleeding a lot. Um, so that's one thing that I don't typically tell people or people don't ask. But um, yeah, so this so this car is as a result of bullying. Mm, I'm so sorry to hear about that. You know, bullying has been such a a tough, tough, tough thing to like um to what's that word like it's such a hard topic to talk about you know because there's not really any like one resolution to, like make it go all the way you know mm-hmm. I, I wish that we have this magic wand to like just say bullies go away or bullying go away but it doesn't work that way and it affects our children in so many ways was did it affect you because of that your growth your growing up i'd say so i think you know and tying this back into mental health 
Um, it really affected my self-esteem. Um, you know, typically you might hear people just say, oh, just go beat up your bully or do something reactionary. Um, but quite often it's like, you know, bullies are a product of their environment. So pretty, pretty common. They're dealing with some kind of, you know, depressive, anxious, or just some, something that's causing them to be aggressive. So I definitely feel like there were times where uh, I felt that I kind of shut in and was shy uh, because there are other people who were so aggressive all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all true. Uh, so before we dive a little deeper into mental illness, uh, Joshua, let's, can we go, can we take it just a little bit back a little bit mm-hmm. to, because I'm looking at, I looked at your profile and it looks like you had a lot of work in like social work and working in the community. Did that bullying happen to maybe influence you into getting into those kind of fields? Or were you just somebody who who naturally just wanted to do that? Uh, bullying has had a lot of influence on my career decision. I'd say, you know, because bullying happens more often than not. You know, we, we see it between children. We see it between, you know, even other adults. Uh, and sometimes we don't acknowledge how adults can really be bullies to other adults. So aside from just having to, you know, grow up being bullied, especially for also being Asian American, um, you know, there were, there were other adults who were, you know, bullying my parents. And, and my dad was a bully to my mom. Uh, so that kind of, ties into domestic violence here where you know there's a lot of physical well not so much physical but plenty of verbal psychological abuse and we have to consider the different types of abuse that people can do undo to one another and you know and that can definitely have its different impacts on our well-being when you were bullied, how old are you now, by the way? I'm 25 now. Oh, okay. So when you experienced that bullying, that may have been around a time where the talk of bullying had kind of started to come out, where people were kind of starting to speak against it. Would you say not? Or would you say no, it was kind of still like pushed under the rug? I would say... Back then when I was being bullied, it was more, it was not like it was pushed under the rug, but the response was more like, oh, you should just, you know, get over it or man up. Uh, so these types of comments are the responses of back then. still the response today, except I feel like today people are a lot more aware and empathetic and i think that comes with just people being a lot more educated a lot more open to seeking mental health services and help 
that we can, you know, take a step back from what was going on and be more considerate of you know, people's feelings. So, yeah, manning up isn't the answer that I needed as a kid. Mm, okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that bits and piece about your experience with bullying. But what, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Joshua? Like what, you, what is your background in your profession? Yeah. Um, so I'm Hmong. I am, I mean, of course, we're all Hmong. Uh, I am the second oldest of eight children. Uh, three of my siblings are adopted. I am a mental health therapist, uh, but my background is obtaining my master of social work. Uh, I'm based in Los Angeles. Uh, I've been in Los Angeles since 2013, uh, partly just mainly because of school and now for you know, my professional career, uh, providing therapy to clients. Uh, so, so far, I feel like I'm passionate about, uh, you know, helping educate the community. I haven't had too much uh, experience helping the Hmong community because I'm out here in L.A., but I hope to do a lot more uh, social engagement and serving the community. Uh, and I'm also passionate about helping the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Awesome. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for that. How has... How has experiencing... Because earlier you said that bullying had a lot to do with you choosing your career choice. Mm-hmm. How has that shaped you in your vision of, well, actually, let me, let me answer the other question first. What do you hope to bring to the Hmong community with your experience in your profession? And when I say experience, I'm not just talking about your work experience. I'm talking about your growth experience with bullying, um, how people weren't there to like stand up for you. How do you, what do you hope to bring back to the Hmong community with your education, with your experience, and with your knowledge? What do you think we don't already know that we need to know from you? I think man, there's a, that's a loaded question. There's a lot of things that I'd like to bring awareness to uh, the Hmong community. And, uh, you know, some of these things are just mental health awareness, literally, where, you know, we don't consider uh, our mental health. We just, and not being able to attend to our well being impacts the way we raise our children, how we treat each other, uh, and just intimate, intimate partner violence uh, or domestic violence between you know two individuals. Um, so there's a lot of things that I feel like we as a community aren't necessarily aware of. And if we are aware, are we doing anything to you know, take a stand to make a difference in the community because there are plenty of other mental health professionals in the Hmong community. We may not just be as prevalent, uh, but sometimes I also feel like sometimes the community are is so caught up with, you know, holding cultural standards, uh, you know, that we 
forget to think about, okay, how is our culture affecting people's well-being? Uh, so that's kind of what I'd like to point out. But yes, bullying again, you know, it affects how we treat each other, how we raise our children, because children become adults. And, you know, with people, with children who have not learned how to, you know, respectfully engage and cope with, you know, whatever's causing them to feel stressed, become adults with problems. Okay. Okay. So when you say cultural change, like the cultural thinking, what do you, what do you mean by that? Can you elaborate more on that? Like the cultural traditional thinking? Yes. So, I mean, often than not, you know, at a very young age, like even I see it myself, it's like my, my sister's cooking, you know, and their role was determined by my parents that they, you know, would just learn how to cook and clean. And, you know, the men, other boys in my household, including myself, you know, we didn't have to worry about so much about the cooking and cleaning because that was a woman's job. So these, this gender role is just something that's taught at a very young age. And, you know, it's something that I would hope we as a society as a community would challenge and i'm not just saying it's just in the monk community that deals with this issue of course there are other communities but you know if we, we just want to focus on the monk community then it's like okay let's let's focus on this one behavior you know why do we why do we think the way we think and it's because no one maybe has thought about challenging uh, you know, why do women have to be the ones to cook and provide? And for the people who did challenge the thought, you know, what did, what response did they get? And some people, you know, you get uh, some individuals who may be very upset with that response. And, you know, we, we see and hear these cases where, you know, some women get murdered, beaten, killed in some horrible way because they spoke up against their husband or some, you know, some young man committed suicide because he was shunned from the community for seeming too weak, you know. So these gender norms and stereotypes that we have, you know, we could, if we were more open to mental health, you know, then perhaps there are these extremities and, you know, problems we could end up trying to, you know, avoid and solve. Mm. It's uh, interesting that you mentioned gen gender roles. When we talk about mental health awareness, right, especially in the Hmong community, Mm -hmm. gender roles don't really come up there's talk about domestic violence there's talk about you know verbal abuse emotional abuse but gender roles don't really come up but you know you're exactly right gender roles really do actually play a big part in that and i do you do you believe as i believe that it actually affects kids more than kiponiana 
No, I no, I do not believe in that. I because you know when you look at into research and data, you know it's it's so we have to kind of go back a little bit because this is all tied into mental health. Uh, you know we have to acknowledge male privilege, the fact that you know there's still a wage gap between you know men and women. Uh, all these other issues that really points out that there is a privilege with being a man in this world. And when we go back into diving into gender roles and seeing that, you know, when there is intimate partner violence, it may be more so that, you know, women do report it more. They are the victims more often. Uh, and we see it through the physical violence uh, among other types of abuse. And then there are men who, I'm not saying that they don't ever get abused. Of course they get abused. But some of them don't talk about it. Some of them don't report it. And so when you have research that is literally stating that it's really low compared to, you know, between the victims of abuse reporting between men and women, it's more so of like, okay, are men not reporting as highly because they're not receiving it more? Are they not victims? But it's more like, no, some of them just feel that they don't have the space to talk about it, or they, you know, they feel less of a man because they, you know, don't report that they're being abused. And that's kind of often the case. Because, you know, we have to really think about, okay, then there's toxic masculinity. Because, you know, if a man sees another man as lesser than he is, then, you know, and then other men see that one man as lesser because they talk about, they do things that are not manly, then they get shunned from the community. That's already bullying. And we continue mm. to perpetuate this ideology when we say these things like man up or you know you're too much of a wuss you know why do you let your woman say this to you type thing um and that's again that plays into you know that toxic masculinity that a uh, man has to be stronger you know they can't have emotions uh, so these are some of these things that again why general cases huge part into mental health because you can get someone coming into therapy and they'll be telling me, you know, I feel less of a person. I'm depressed. You know, my friends don't think I'm cool enough. These types of things. Or, um, or my mom doesn't think that I'm a good enough daughter. Like we hear these stories all the time. So generals, are actually a huge part and they are talked about but uh, how many people are willing to listen you know i just see through social media oh you're just you know you're just complaining oh you don't know what it's like to be you know a man or a woman and it's like okay we'll give that some validity because you know we have one group being taught at a very young age that they must cook and clean in order to feel like they're valued. And then you have another group 
that's oh, if you don't find a job or do anything, you know, work related, then you're also not valued as well. That's tough. There's a lot to unpack. That is so much to unpack. I think that we can go on days and days and days about this topic, right? Because there's so much, you know, but let's break it down a little bit about mental illness. Because although I think a lot of people, when they hear mental illness, they kind of have like a picture of mental illness, right? But what are the different kinds of mental illnesses that are out there? Because usually when people think mental illness, they think, oh my gosh, this person's crazy, right? They're thinking about the movie Psycho, or they're thinking about Ed Bundy, who went off and killed how many people? But what is really mental illness? What is the truth of mental illness? Or what type of mental illness out there that you can share? There are tons of different you know, signs, uh, different expressions of mental illness. And so, um, you know, quite often the media and movies, they kind of portray the extremities uh, of mental illness. So we, we don't like to think too much about, you know, uh, how, everyday people sometimes we meet at the office um, behind the cash register um, you know our own parents uh, our own siblings we don't think about mental illness um, but mental illness is just so common we if anything I would compare it to just a physical ailment you know I got you know, X, Y, Z, I got a cold, uh, or maybe I got some serious flu. Um, you know, it's like, oh, people just don't, you don't say you catch depression, but, you know, you could say you became depressed because X, Y, Z. You go to therapy, much like you take medicine, and you rest, you, you know, you do what you need to do in order to get better. So, is mental illness a normal part of life? No. If an individual could live a happy, you know, and life and be able to learn coping skills uh, that can allow them to, you know, deal with their stress, much like we, you know, are able to eat healthy, to exercise and do what we need to do to avoid you know, sickness, then that would be the best way to, to draw that parallel. Okay. What other mental illness is out there? I know there's a lot, but what few can you name that's more known, more heard of? So we have depression. What other one is out there? Uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Um, so there's depression <laughs> and then there's anxiety. Uh, then there's PTSD, uh, bipolar, uh, and schizophrenia. So those are just what people commonly point out and know. And that's, you know, because it's probably just, you know, more commonly seen. When you get other mental illnesses, they're more like a, more rare cases. So, uh, for example, like, 
Ted Bundy. Um, you know, then he, it's like, that's, that's an extreme case, but of course it's, you know, uh, he's, it's, oh man, how do I say this? Sometimes it's hard to diagnose individuals, first of all, because some people like Ted Bundy, they're really sociable. So we don't think that, I mean, that's how he was able to kill so many people because, you know, as him as a charmer, we just think, oh, you know, they're just a charming individual. We don't know what's really behind that. So there's still a lot to, to find out about mental illness because there are many different things that, you know, we still have yet to learn about how people behave. And that's an expression of mental illness. But, you know, quite often we just, again, see, you know, depression, anxiety, PTSD, uh, bipolar, uh, and schizophrenia. So those are what I have seen often in my work uh, because, you know, you'll know when someone may be acting out uh, and, you know, and it may be a result of their hallucination. Or maybe you'll talk to them and they'll talk about, like, there are aliens in this guy. And they're out to get us one day. And so it's like, okay, that sounds a little bit more delusional. Then you have people who are anxious or they're nervous to do anything. Then you have people who are depressed where, you know, they'll stay in the bedroom all day. They'll isolate. They won't shower these things. So uh, these are, some of these signs are just the more obvious one. And again, that's why I'm saying that when you see it in films, you get the extreme sides of things. You don't see someone who's just more like, kind of like moderate or even mild. So there are mental illnesses, and then there's degrees of severity. We don't see the ones that are more the mild or moderate. You see the extremes, and that's kind of just a misrepresentation. So uh, level of severity. Uh, because again, anyone could be nervous and that's okay. You know, it's totally normal. But when we think of how much is this nervousness affecting us every day, then that's where it's like, okay, is this an illness? Is this a mental illness? Much like depression, we get feelings of sadness. But how much of my feelings of sadness is affecting me every day? So, uh, when it comes to anxiety, it's like, okay, sometimes, like, I feel this anxious that I don't shower. I feel this nervous about my bully at school that I'm not going to go to school. I'm nervous. I don't want to talk to anybody. And maybe it's like, I have a thousand different things that I'm thinking of, so I can't concentrate on anything. So that's kind of anxiety. Of course, you can't see you know people's thoughts going around but uh going wild but you know you can definitely tell if they can't concentrate and maybe if they just tell you uh explicitly then when it comes to like schizophrenia when you talk to people who are schizophrenic um you know it may be more hallucination primarily it's the hallucination or it's the delusional part so 
You know, if you have people who are hallucinating, there are different, then there are different types of hallucinations. So, um, not then one is not more common than the other, but we see in the films that it's more of like the visions. We, you know, oh, they see someone else, uh, and they'll try to demonstrate it in the movie. Uh, but you know, then there's just like you can see things but not hear things. You can hear things but not see things. So they're not, you know, together sometimes. And sometimes it's, it's as, you know, wild as like feeling like there are bugs on you. Uh, that's more tactile. Then there's olfactory, which is more of like you keep smelling dead people. Uh, that's a hallucination as well. You know, you know, it's actually not common. I haven't seen that really. Uh, in my work, but even then, and so then sometimes you know you'll. That's why you may see for the more uh, the folks who are exhibiting schizophrenia more. You may see them kind of you know uh, twitch, move around. They may be talking to you know what you may see as nobody, but to them they may be hallucinating. They're actually having a conversation with someone. Um, or maybe they're hearing things. And so that's why some folks uh, who are schizophrenic may be paranoid. Uh, they may feel like you know, people are just always out to get them. Because you know, some people's uh, hallucinations could be just people trying to hurt them because they've dealt with something like that in their past uh, where people were out to try to kill them or hurt them. Uh, then... The delusional part is more of like a thinking pattern. Uh, and so, again, that's more of like, oh, you know, the government is uh, doing X, Y, Z. Like, they have the ability to control the weather, you know, or there are aliens in the sky, or, you know, at 2.22 a.m. in the morning, they'll always come out and they'll kill one of my cows. That's why, you know, I don't like them. Or I don't, yeah. So that's more of like, okay, it's a little bit more far-fetched. Why is this, uh, you know, and if it's a, then again, think about like how much of this is impacting people's way of life, quality of life. You know, some people will just be like, yeah, there are aliens out there. I don't want to get out of this house. And they never get out of the house. And that's a huge detriment on their well-being. So, uh so it may be... So it sounds kind of like, like, sorry, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, cut you off, but so it sounds kind of like if it gets to the point where let's talk anxiety, right? Schizophrenia seems like it's a more severe level of mental illness. Am I right? Okay. Well, but like for anxiety, I would not say it's okay. more. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yes, please do correct me. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it, it just, it all varies because, you know, some people's anxiety can be so bad where it's like, you know, like they're frantic, they're having panic attacks, they think that they're having a heart attack, uh, and so sometimes they'll, they'll kill themselves. So it's hard to say if one is worse than the other. Of course, having hallucinations and hearing things is pretty, pretty awful. But then it's another thing to just constantly be in fear of something, you know, like, and maybe that's why 
Like if we point out the OGs, you know, they had to run away from the communists. I would not be surprised if some of them still have a lot of flashbacks, more like PTSD, but even just anxiety if like talking to the government because they're fear, you know, fearful of, uh, you know, being taken away. So it would, okay. yeah, it's not a good idea to just compare what's worse or not. Okay. Thank you for explaining that a little further. What can we do as a community, especially for parents who has a child or family members who has a family member or friends who has friends that is in that situation? What can we do, Joshua, to, to remove the stigma? You know, like when we talk about mental illness, there's always the worst stigma following it, right? What can we do as a community and as a support system to, to remove that? Hmm. Well, first of all, is uh, we need to, you know, acknowledge that, you know, we have an issue. <laughs> and, um, and I literally mean that because, you know, when you have people who cannot recognize that there is an issue, there's no way of changing. And this is uh, kind of a research based on what's called the stages of change. Uh, so the first stage is, you know, identifying the problem. Uh, I don't remember the five stages, but there are five stages. And so uh, when we as a community can recognize, okay, maybe, you know, there are some problems with our community. You know, again, children with problems becomes adult with problems. And so when we don't recognize that even us as parents, as, you know, grandparents have an issue, then we just continue this cycle. And so it's, you know, it's a real thing. Intergenerational violence, it's a real thing. And because, you know, our grandparents had to, you know, suffer from X, Y, Z, our parents had to. And because they had to experience that, then we experience it, you know, and that's not uncommon. And especially with our grandparents coming from the place they had to come from, you know, from genocide, it's, then I have, I'm not surprised why many of us, you know, are very aggressive or rude to each other. Um, so, and there are these, and the, again, this is not just with the Hmong community, it's just any other community that has to deal with a lot of trauma. So, when we can really identify that, then it's like, okay, we see that we have a problem. What can we do? You know, listen, firstly. You know, when we are allowed to allow for other men and women and people in between to talk about what's going on, then that's also helpful. But seeking professional help, you know, making, because being, being able to listen is just one of the few things that, you know, is kind of the backbone of therapy. You know, you listen and you practice empathy, you know. Because if we just listen without being compassionate, then, you know, it's not 
it's not as helpful. And so we have to try and normalize it. Um, and that's kind of, that's the start to just really break the stigma of mental health. And maybe it's like, hey, and I'm calling each other out, hey, you know, you did this to, you know, your stepmother, or you did this to, you know, your wife or your daughter or your son. That's not, you know, have you thought about how that really hurts them? These, and sometimes we do, we do point these out. But then you have another individual who may be like, okay, they're my kid, or they're my XYZ. You know, you don't have any say in what's going on. Uh, so there's still a lot of unpacking that needs to be done. But, you know, when we can create sessions, open sessions, where parents can ask questions, uh, where it's a safe space for children to ask questions, to question why does this person behave this way, we can kind of start breaking down things from there. But otherwise, um, it's, it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> It's because we still have a long way to go, but those are some, those are two or three, two or three great advice that you just mentioned, you know, to just normalize, to just listen, because I do agree with you, um, or issues of both, I'm going to speak for him too, <laughs> but, you know, listening with compassion, that makes such a big difference, such a big difference. Because you mean right? When I speak to somebody and I know that they're really listening to me and they 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 feel what I'm feeling, it helps me unpack a lot of what I'm feeling too. You know, so I can't imagine what that does for somebody who actually is going who actually lives with mental illness. So those are great advices. So I hope whoever's listening right now that's that knows somebody who has mental illness that they will like practice that. I really hope so. Adding on to that, Joshua, growing up as a teen, at one point, your personal story, you, you wanted to seek a therapist. And your mom actually declined and refused you to say otherwise. Can you give us your experience of why and at time? So... It wasn't just my mom, it was my dad as well. Um, but, you know, growing up, it was like, oh, you know, you don't tell other people outside the family what's going on. And, you know, and I, I can understand that, you know, you want to try to solve problems within the family, much like at the workplace. You try to solve things with your coworker before you go to the supervisor. I can understand that mentality. At the same time, you know, when we try to, you know, really solve our problems, can we, you know, and again, when we have parents who have not dealt with their mental illness, can we go to them for help? I, and I'm not trashing on my parents, but I could not go to them for help. And that's why I sought you know, professional help, therapy, you know, um, and I got a lot of pushback for it. And that was just partly, I, I understand the stigma of seeking a stranger 
you know, for help. But to me, I knew that that was probably what was guiding me to become a better person by learning how to, you know, cope and by talking about these things that were bothering me without being judged. So another thing is when we listen to other people about their problems and we try to be compassionate to them, friends are great, but they're not therapists. They're not. And so our parents are not therapists either, you know? And so that's why, you know, I, I would say, you know, it's good to listen to and help other people but it's also important to tell them, hey, you probably need therapy, man. This is probably the 10th time I heard about you and your relationship problems. So, <laughs> so then it's like, okay, you know, normalizing you, encouraging people. So I felt that because I went to therapy and I know I got a lot of, you know, a lot of crap from my parents for it. I knew that I was changing the way later it wasn't immediate but later how my folks thought about you know mental illness and at one point my mom sought therapy and she found it helpful and you know it, it, i don't need a thank you but i also could see that you know it was important for me to become a person to end to change things I didn't want to keep living like this. I didn't want to have to you know, feel like whatever was happening in the house was supposed to be normal. So, uh, so a lot of this again is why I chose to be, you know, in therapy, provide therapy, uh, because you know when people seek therapy, it's another way to kind of normalize it. Do you mind me asking you, Joshua, what were you, were you depressed? Were you getting anxiety? Were you at the point where you don't want to live anymore? What were you feeling? Can you kind of walk through that with us just a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it's tough to figure these things out because, you know, I had no mental health professionals in the house, so, um, but I knew I wasn't feeling good. So. I would say, you know, a lot of it was a lot of depression, uh, a lot of anxiety. And just because one person has depression doesn't mean they can't have anxiety. They can't have XYZ. You know, you can have a cold and you can have diabetes. You can have, you know, more than one physical ailments. So there's a lot of depression and anxiety. Um, I would say... It, it was probably just a lot of other things that were traumatic in my life uh, that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have the space to process it. So sometimes, you know, you see in the story, you see in the movies where people are in therapy and sometimes it's like a, you know, a life crushing realization that this happened to them. It happened, you know, and it's, you know, the, some of the more traumatic things like sexual assault, rape, being beaten half to death by your own relative, um, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, when you were two, when you were five. These things happen. 
And, you know, and so that's why I would really say, yeah, therapy is a place where you could talk about that stuff. Um, so at that time, these were just not saying that those things were apply to me, but of course I was depressed, anxious, you know, among parents get their kids. So there was that going on. Uh, and so there's just a lot of like, also just kind of, I felt like a lot of yelling in the house and you know, aggressive parenting. And so, uh, and my dad was mainly working. So, uh, I don't know, like 12 hour shifts. So he wasn't always present in my life. And so these, this was like my environment and it caused me to you know, feel this way, to feel distant from my own family. But there's a lot going on. But I don't mean to just air my dirty laundry. <laughs> no, you're to no, know, but that's, and that's exactly where our, our platform is for, is for you to share your stories, because you never know who's listening, mm-hmm. you know? And at, at, at what point did you make that decision? You realize, man, you know what? Forget what my parents says, forget this cultural norm. I am going to give you some help. I mean, I hope you recognize that you needed it. I would say um, when I was 14, that's when I really thought about, um, I was offered it actually. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, one person at school, it, it, was, a, uh, it was a staff member. Um, you know, they offered it to me and I didn't know what it was, but I said, okay, I would just try it out and see how, how it goes. And I think that's the part of just the importance of open-mindedness, uh, you know, and so at the time I was like, okay, I feel shitty and I'd like to figure out a way to deal with it. So I'm just going to try out what this thing is called therapy. And so, um, there's, and that was kind of how it started with just, you know, identifying that I had a problem, that I was depressed, anxious, X, Y, Z, and that I was open to doing something new to problem solve. Uh, so, but that's kind of, you know, how I would describe my situation. Thanks. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're saying that. Yeah. Just, wow. Uh, I just wanted to ask these last three questions. Um, Maya wants to add something. No, I was just saying that. I was glad that you were saying that because I think in the last one, two years, gosh, if you kind of go on social media, you know that, and you may have seen that, we've had a lot of like young teenagers like in trouble mentally. And so... I just, I just want to thank you for sharing that because I think it's good for us parents to recognize that, recognize it as well. That mm-hmm. you know, our teenagers, our kids are going through it, and we gotta, we have to pay attention, and we have to give them the help that they need, even though they don't think they need it. We have to pay attention to our kids and recognize when something's off. You know, uh, I really appreciate your time, Josh, and. I wanted to ask this three, what does it mean to be a Hmong man? To me, being a Hmong man 
means, you know, being committed to one's family, uh, being there, you know, being someone who would help uplift the community. And I know it's very general, but this could mean, you know, uplifting, you know, my own brothers, uh, listening and supporting my own sisters and those who identify as in between. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time dissecting why do I have to feel like this, you know, emotionless, uh, strong being because, you know, it just doesn't help anyone at all. So with that, it's more of like, okay, you know, my role isn't just to go hunting to find a job. And, you know, I should also learn how to cook and clean. And for me, it's, and it's like, I don't butcher well. I don't. I don't speak Hmong well. And so, you know, some people are just going to be like, oh, you're just whitewashed. So you're not Hmong man. It's like, okay. Well, what does it what does it mean for other people? It's subjective. But at least to me, it means, you know, I'm gonna be a supportive member of the community. Um, you know, and I'm you know, I'm gonna do the best I can to, you know, let others know that hey, it's okay to cry, it's okay to have feelings, um, you know, it's okay to feel frustrated about you know, your relationship, your family, your parents. Uh, and sometimes just having to continually, you know, be there for your family is exhausting. It's okay to feel frustrated about your family. It's okay to ask for space. And that's that's kind of what I feel as like a moment man is, you know, I should be able to, you know, stand up for myself, but also stand up for other people. What? Great description. Love that. Thank you. What advice would you give the younger teenage Joshua about mental health? Um, I would have, I would have told my younger self to, you know, to try and work on mindfulness. Try to focus on, you know, yourself. I was so anxious about what other people thought of me. Uh, it made me depressed. <laughs> it made me anxious. Um, but I, I also have to let my old self, you know, be proud of yourself because I chose to go to therapy, which, you know, really frustrated and angered my parents. I mean, it's, you know, Going to therapy was one of the best things that I could have done. Uh, and so I have to give my younger self props for, you know, taking, taking that step in the right direction. That's awesome. So therapy has helped you. It has a lot. Yeah. Joshua, we're very, you know, very appreciate your time sharing your story with us. We just want to wrap it up. Like, where can we find you, man? Give us a quick pitch. You know, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever you like to throw at us. 
Yeah, I think the most social uh, I am on is uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, I also stream on Twitch. Uh, so, I mean, I haven't done a lot of streaming lately, but I've been just taking some time to, you know, to recuperate. Um, so I do just want to acknowledge or point out that, you know, a lot of the increased racism against the Asian American community has been affecting me a lot. So I haven't been too social lately, but um, so I guess I would say on uh, Twitch, I am uh, gender fluid Asian Bay because I identify as non-binary. And then um, and I have just uh, Facebook accounts and I don't think I, I have a Facebook page for gender fluid Asian Bay. And then for my uh, and now I also do some photography on the side. I haven't done photography in a long while, but uh, I, it's uh, Jay Shon photography. Um, but those are just my social media. And then you guys found me on LinkedIn, so. Thank you so much. You are a busy person. <laughs> Sometimes. You know, honestly, Joshua, I can like talk to you about this topic forever. Like, if we have time, I can talk to you about this topic forever because I feel like we just can't talk about it enough. But <laughs> thank you so much for giving us one hour of your precious time tonight to just give us your thoughts and to share about your experiences about therapy because we have to, we need to know. We need to know. So thank you so much. Of course. Um, honestly, if you want to just have, you know, a, a beer and talk about it, I'm more than happy, or wine, or whatever your choice of preference. No pressure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will hold you for. I will hold you to that. I will hold you to that. Okay, I will talk your ears off. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> I love talking about you know mental health. It's something I'm just so passionate about. So, let you know. Let me know. Well, that ends our episode. If you haven't yet, visit our website at www.momentalk.com or find us on Facebook, Moment Talk. Lastly, if you're listening on, on us on a podcast from Stitcher or Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes, please give us an honest rating. Also, want to give a shout out to the intro and outro at coolcookedituppeatstar.com. Check it out for the latest beats he's pushing out. <laughs>